want to begin with a prayer for Father's Day. Let us pray. Loving Father, by whose hand we have been guided and cared for since we were young, bless our fathers, present and absent, whose lives have influenced ours and helped shape us into the children of God we are today, that they too may know your paternal love and grow from hope to glory as your beloved children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In honor of Father's Day, which I am never around to celebrate with you because June is when I'm usually on vacation, grumble, grumble. In honor of Father's Day, I thought I would regale you with a few dad jokes. Number one. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant. Two. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. <laughs> Three. Why can't you hear a psychiatrist using the bathroom? Because the pee is silent. And finally, four. Did you hear about the guy who invented the knock-knock joke? He won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> Note to the vestry. You might want to make sure I get my vacation time next June. Dad jokes for Father's Day. A number of years ago, I found a t-shirt online that really spoke to me. So I ordered it and began to wear it with pride. Across the chest of the dark blue t-shirt were the large white letters WWJD. Below that, in a, in a slightly smaller font, it read, well, let me show you. Who wants jelly donuts? Thank you. Regrettably, I must confess that over the years, I have all too often taken the question literally, all but jumping up and down and crying, me, I want jelly donuts, choose me. Now, of course, you know, the acronym is properly known as what would Jesus do? And it became quite a fad among Christians in the late 1990s to wear bracelets and t-shirts and caps and etc. with those letters emblazoned on them. Fun fact, this phrase goes at least as far back as 1896 when a book titled In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? by Charles Sheldon became a runaway bestseller. The novel was influenced by the Christian socialism movement of the time a theology that espoused following Christ by doing his work in the world to help those in need. The book influenced Walter Rauschenbusch, who was already teaching and preaching his social gospel along similar lines. In one scene of the novel, 
a pastor encounters a homeless man outside his church. The man tells him, I heard some people singing at a church prayer meeting the other night. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my beings ransomed the powers, all my thoughts and all my doings, all my days and all my hours. And I kept wondering as I sat on the steps outside just what they meant by it. It seems to me there's an awful lot of trouble in the world that somehow wouldn't exist if all the people who sing such songs went and lived them out. I suppose I don't understand. But what would Jesus do? Is that what you mean by following his steps? Today, as well as last Sunday and next Sunday, we hear chapter 10 of Matthew's Gospel, which some scholars call the missionary discourse. In it, Jesus instructs the 12 disciples on discipleship and what it means to do God's will in the world. This morning, we hear Jesus say, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Happy Father's Day. Now it's possible that Jesus was referring here to families with teenagers, but I don't think so. Actually, in Matthew's church of the late first century, members did sometimes have to choose between their family and their faith as nascent Christianity was taking hold. Jesus is talking here about discipleship, and he puts us on notice of its costs with some unflinching words. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That is harsh. And I think we can extrapolate from this and add, whoever loves their own self more than me is not worthy of me. So the question on the t-shirt that proclaims, what would Jesus do, is really the wrong question. That one's too easy. It's sort of a pondering thing. Hmm, I, I wonder what Jesus would do in a situation like this. By asking that question, we risk leaving it at the feet of Jesus rather than taking that task upon ourselves. The real question, the more direct one that is asked of us in today's gospel is, what would Jesus have me do? It's the question the homeless man on the steps of that church is really asking of all of us. The hymns we sing that he might overhear have words like this. Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? Those are the questions we are summoned to answer. In today's reading, Jesus says, 
if they're calling me Beelzebul because I cast out a demon in chapter 9, they're going to call you even worse when you profess to follow me. But don't be afraid of them. They can only kill the body. They cannot touch your soul. God holds your soul. And God counts you as more precious than a whole bunch of sparrows. Now, if you're like me, the phrase that jumped out at you in what I just said is, they can only kill the body. What? Is that really how far we're being asked to take this discipleship thing if we are to be worthy of Jesus? Can't I just be nice to people? Can't I just donate some more money here and there? Can't I just take care of my own loved ones? Can't I just have my jelly donut? The answer is no. Believe me, I would like to find the loophole here as well. That ancient Greek word for discipleship that actually has multiple meanings and allows us for an easy out. But it's not there. In fact, Jesus offers this very message time and again, just not usually this bluntly. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. I can say that there is an implicit promise here for those who truly take on the cost of discipleship. Your life will be transformed, and you will know your purpose here on earth. But is transformation and a sense of purpose what we really want? I think most of us would rather have a little more say in what transforms us or what gives us purpose, which is exactly what keeps us from having either. You know, I feel like with all we're going through right now as a nation and a community of faith, not being able to gather in person, living through a frightening pandemic out there, grappling with an historic upheaval over endemic racism. You know, I feel like telling you today on top of all that, that you're not living up to your discipleship is like kicking you when you're down. And I know for a fact that some of you are struggling with your own troubles right now. Loved ones who are sick, financial concerns, other things. You know, all I can say is the scriptures made me do it. That's what today's readings are about. Even the passage from Genesis feels unfair. Hagar and her son Ishmael are kicked out into the wilderness after Sarah becomes spiteful when she sees the boy playing with her son Isaac. God tells Abraham, it's okay, kick her out. I'll make a great nation of Hagar and the boy too. Who are the Hagars and the Ishmaels that we kick out in our lives? Either from spite like Sarah, or from indifference, or from disagreeing with their motives or way of going about things, or from needing our life to be safe, secure, and apart from any danger, or discomfort, or from mere exhaustion at the world's problems weighing too much on our hearts already. Who do we kick out? 
or avoid or ignore. Every inaction on our part has its consequences. And if I am kicking you when you're down, I am truly sorry. But I also pray that we are less concerned by that than we are by Richard Brooks being kicked after he was shot down in that drive through at a Wendy's in Atlanta. The best I can do to massage the message in today's readings for my sake as well as yours is to say, start by taking just one step towards better discipleship. Humble yourself before God just a little bit more. Admit that there is a challenge in these harsh readings that you need to hear and not tune out again. If you can honestly do that, a next step will reveal itself. Maybe in these days of lockdown, when we are getting to those tasks that we've always put off, cleaning out the garage, organizing our photos, maybe we can find time to clean out our spirit and organize our heart so that it focuses more on God. Pray more. Read more. Risk more. Love the one who is unlike you more. Ask, what would Jesus have me do more? And stop eating the jelly donuts that keep your soul comfortable and content with their empty calories. As someone I love always says to me when I reach for one, that's not good for you, sweetie. Pray for strength.